This episode of the podcast is brought to you by a special sponsor, Scripted Fragrance. And let me tell you about Scripted Fragrance. This is a female-owned business co-founded by a mother-daughter team out of New York. Scripted Fragrance has 125 unique candles, 100% soy wax, hand-poured using premium fragrance and essential oils. With the holiday season just around the corner, this is the perfect gift. With six unique collections, including states, cities, and even pets, they have a personalized gift for anybody on your list. We can now offer our listeners 10% off all orders. Just use the code DOING10 at scriptedfragrance.com. Again, that's DOING10 at scriptedfragrance.com. We need to be doing that, a podcast that combines sports, social media, content, and life. Though we make no promises, we'll stick to those topics each episode. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. And on this podcast, we'll often focus on the sports content and creative we see in life and share between the three of us. We need to be doing that. I'm Elliot Gerard. These are the discussions we have most days in person or group text. Now with the microphones on and recording. We've known each other since 2009. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes. Come on. We need to be doing that. All right, so we're really excited to have on this podcast a wellness expert, a two-time best-selling author, creator of a number one app, so we're going to take some notes and see if she can manage our app development. And not to leave this off, top 30 podcast hosts. You have likely seen her on one of the morning shows, or you're probably already following her on Instagram. Nikki Sharp, good evening. Good evening. What an intro. I wish people just like when you walk in a room, that's what people would do. <laughs> yeah. You could probably make that happen. Right? <laughs> you need a little run in and do it before you come in be like guys or just uh, like the game day signs in college game day where they put up the signs behind and it's all your accolades yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well and the reason i say that is because especially as it comes to our careers and business like we all tend to downplay who we are what we've done and we're like oh no and i, I can't say that i should i'm just so i'll go in a room and be like yeah hi i'm nikki i hi hi and we get really scared to talk about the things that we've worked really hard to do. So that's why I kind of make that joke. You need a little hype man or hype woman. It's very Miami. Somebody to walk in in front of you with a little boom box. You know, the career path of what we think we're doing versus what we do and how quickly we get there. They never align, do they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when's, the, when's the movie coming out of your book? Well, I, I actually started writing a new book. I moved to Paris two years ago and I started writing a book. It's Eat, Pray, Love meets Eckhart Tolle with a sprinkle of sex in the city. And that's one of those books that when I actually, so right now it's just all journal entries for a year and I just need to put it all together and write it into a book and not sabotage a bunch of people along the way by saying names or anything. Uh, but that, yeah, that one is, would be probably more like the, so you, you mentioned Paris. Take us back to the beginning, if you will. Where did you grow up? So I'm from Boulder, Colorado. I'm actually first-generation American. Both my parents are British. And they 
I randomly met in Yosemite rock climbing, fell in love, moved to Boulder. And then I grew up there, had a very, Boulder's just a weird place for a child. It's, it seems like this amazing place it is, but as a child, it's a, you get corrupted pretty quickly because there's a very, very big college in the same place as, as the high schools. But uh, my mother, before I was born, actually went to the Olympics. So she went to the 1984 Olympics for road racing. Pretty cool. And then my father was quite well-known freestyle rock climber, crazy man, who still to this day, he rock, or he doesn't rock climb. He cycles like 100 miles four days a week. I'm like, okay, casual. And then my stepfather was a bodybuilder back in the day with Arnold in California and then came to Colorado and actually introduced personal training into into the system in Colorado. And they were like, that's never going to work. Yeah, look who's with me now. <laughs> I just emailed my parents and called them losers. <laughs> that's a that's incredible. background. Yeah, I mean, but like growing up, I didn't think anything of that. It was when you're a kid, you're like, oh yeah, my mom went to the Olympics. Okay, whatever. And then now that I've gotten older and I see how much work goes into things, my dad has written a few books as well on software programming. And then he did one actually about a bunch of different religions combined. And it's like, now that I look back and I've had my own career, I'm like, damn, my parents are pretty fucking incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been like 20 or 21 episodes that I've never wanted to put a guest on with their parents, but I want to do an episode with your parents now. Like, this oh, is fascinating. Be fun. <laughs> they met they met just randomly in Yosemite? Yeah, randomly rock climbing. Wow. Quite a story. You know, Jonah's from Colorado. I'm waiting for him to pipe in. Yeah, no, he got corrupted too pretty early on. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, I uh, grew up near Highlands Ranch. Nice. It's a Highlands Ranch high school. So, yeah, uh, Boulder is a very interesting town in that in that regard. I can totally relate to it. I ended up not going to school there, but would come back and, and hang out with a lot of people from Colorado and Boulder. So totally get that vibe. It is, it is tricky because it is such a beautiful place, but it has that sort of dynamic where people who are wealthy and then people who are really not, and it kind of just combines in this one town. So, um, but it is a beautiful place and it certainly is uh, kind of an interesting area in Colorado. So I know when we we met on a on a panel and we were talking about influencer marketing and with all due respect to that panel I wanted to have another conversation with you because I felt like there was some stuff that we just did not get into in that uh discussion um and I'm hopeful that we can do that here but I know in talking to you previously if if I called you an influencer you really don't like that so tell me tell us why you don't like the word influencer Yeah so the I get introduced as an influencer a lot. And the reason is because I influence people for a living. And I think there's, to me, there's a very big difference between influencing people to do something. And I choose to influence people with their health to make healthier decisions versus being an influencer with millions of followers who an influencer, when you call it like, oh, I'm an influencer, it's, it's much more of an ego based mm-hmm. thing versus that's why I try to like steer people into like, I'm an author. I'm a part of former podcasters. I created an app. I did all of these other things and I continue to help people through coaching through my Instagram. But it's almost for me, influencing influencers have become the new 
like, oh, I, I moved to LA. I'm going to become an actress. <laughs> and like, I get asked all the time, how do I become an influencer? And my answer is always, you don't. Because if your goal is to become an influencer, you've already lost. That, that's going to mean that either you're not going to have the stamina to keep going because it takes a really long time to build anything. You're going to get crushed when you get the nose or when the algorithm changes and you lose 20,000 followers overnight. And it happens to all of us all the time. Or, you know, you're going to be mad when brands say, oh, well, we used this one app software and because of your engagement rate, your, you know, your rate to post is this, this, this. And you're like, but I have a million followers. And so for me, when I look at influencing and let's say a brand, for example, and they do this, we talked about that, Keith, like they do this all the time where they try to measure your engagement and tell you what sort of price they should be paying you. And I'm like, right. But lest you're forgetting the fact that everything that I've ever published or done has gone number one, or like iTunes top 30 didn't go one, but it it hit 30 of the top 100 in our category. Or when I've done my books, they've gone number one and my app, my, and so it's like brands sort of forget that there's a human behind the account working really fucking hard. And then when people come and they say, oh, I just want to be an influencer. It's like, well, why? Because if that's an, if if you want to actually help people in their life, like let's say you're passionate about beauty and makeup and you're like, I just want to share amazing beauty videos. Great. You already gave me the answer because you didn't say I want to be an influencer. So I really, I don't like the word because I feel like it has become the new I'm moving to LA. I'm becoming a celebrity. It's like saying, I, I want to become a celebrity. And it's like, well, why? Why do you want to become a celebrity? Because you think you get handed things for free? Sure. Well, do you know that it takes like 10 years to become an overnight celebrity? <laughs> That's my my thoughts. I could go way deep, yeah. but those are my like baseline thoughts of, of influencing influencer. I will say quickly, I have a a magazine quoted me. And they, they, you know, they always take like one quote you say and they, they pop it up, make it bigger. And it was something like, don't call me an influencer. I don't want to have a million followers. I'd rather be, I, I'd rather be a real influencer like Oprah Winfrey. Mm. It was something along those lines. And it was, it was so true for me because it's like, I've never, I never got in this game to have shitloads of followers. If I did, I would have 2 million followers and I'd probably be posting way different content but I post what I want because I know that I'm helping people every day because it goes back to my why. And my why is I do this because I suffered. I found the answers. I now want to help others. So that's why like the word influencer to me is like moot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the comparison to um, acting. I hadn't heard it I think before. It's actually worse than that. I think it's the, I want to be a reality star. Like if you think of yeah. the nineties like or whatever, I want to go to LA and become a reality star. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's chasing the lifestyle, but to your point, it's, they don't understand or appreciate the work that went into it. It's right. looking at your feed and saying, that's what I want to do, but they don't know what went into all of that. Well, and what's crazy is I think it was in LA, there was a, like a airplane hangar that you could rent for $40 an hour and right. go take photos, getting, stepping into a plane. Yeah. And you're like, 
So now people are promoting a fake lifestyle to show off to people that they don't actually like to share this whole thing that they're doing that nobody actually cares about. And then we wonder why depression and anxiety and things like that are getting worse. And it's like, because nobody's actually being real in their lives anymore. And they're trying to one up and it's like, but what are you going to one up? You're renting an airplane door for $40 an hour. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's, we could have a whole side conversation (laughs) on the, you know, social media and what it's doing to people. But, you know, look, I've since, since we've met, I've appreciated, um, and we'll, I want to talk about it, but I've appreciated how you approach brands. I think a lot of influencers or talent or, um, you know, spokespeople, if you will always say, you know, I really want to make sure that it's a brand fit. I really do believe looking at your feed that it is a brand fit and nobody knows all the no's you've said and all the brands who have come to you and you've said, it's just not a fit. And, you know, we do want to talk about, you know, what do you look for when you evaluate a brand deal, but coming from an agency and and working in influencer marketing, there's so many of these rent a feeds and you can scroll and, and we work a lot in sports and, you know, when, when these college guys and, and girls get, get drafted, you know, whether it's to the NFL or the NBA and you check out their Twitter and it's like, here's a Gillette sponsor, here's a, a PNG thing. And it's like, I know that they're entering this world of now they can have endorsements, but your feed looks so curated and looks like you really are sure about the brand. So what do you look for when a brand comes to you and what do you look for in a brand deal? Great question. So one of the the big ethos that I've had with with growing my account is responsibility. Responsibility, accountability, and and uh, there's one more that that's I'm losing. Uh, transparency. There we go. So my whole thing is if I wouldn't use the product personally in my day to day life without any cameras on me, it's not something that I'm going to promote. And that being said, I know that there's different. You know, some of my followers are like I. So I'm not vegan 100, percent but. I know that some of my followers are not, and I know that everyone's on a different path to their journey. So I'm not opposed to, let's say, promoting a product that's keto, even though that's not what I personally do in my life, but it has to still have integrity with ingredients. I have to be able to pronounce the ingredients, for example, because if I wouldn't put it into my own body, then, and I'm sitting here and I have a responsibility to these people that follow me because they... They look to me for health advice. And when I was going through my two eating disorders, which is how I came to have an account in the first place, it was like, I looked up to other people because I just wanted to know what they were doing that helped them. I wanted to know what products they use that weren't a million dollars to buy or, you know, this, that, the other. And so uh, with every brand deal, I pretty much say, unless it's something that I already know and I've tried before, otherwise it becomes, I have to try it first. So I'll try it for like two weeks. And if I don't like it, it I just say, thank you so much. I'll, I'll tag you in a story that, and that's what happens. Um, and I do, or like I get sent a lot of free product that, 
you know, they don't have money or whatever it might be. And then I incorporate those still into my like getting ready with me looks, but I still don't have brands sending me things that that's not true. I have one brand right now that sent me some products that I'm on a little bit of a teetoing, like, do I promote it or do I not? Because it kind of goes against a few of the values, but I also know it's a really big brand that people are already taking. And so my big thing is just authenticity. And I do try to incorporate things in a way that, yeah, like this is how I would use it. So like I just did one um, for an at-home IPL during Corona, you know, quarantine where every female on the planet all of a sudden was freaking out of hair waxing and this, that, the other, like all these things that guys have no idea about. And so I made a really funny video about it, incorporating it into a way that actually spoke to all the females that we were like, oh shit, we can't go to the waxing salon anymore. So I try to do things in, in that sort of way. Um, you know, would I, would I quote unquote sell out for a ton of money? Probably to a certain extent, <laughs> as we spoke about on the. What's the number, Nikki? What's the number? And I mean, if, if, if let's let's just think Kardashian style numbers. No, if, there's no way that I would be able to charge that. Um, but we spoke about it on our our panel that we did. That in terms of branding deals, I I want to keep that authenticity as best that I can. However. I'm essentially putting out free content every single day and I need money to run this life. Like it's, I don't go and get in airplanes and travel and do all that, but like I buy food that I have to turn into a recipe in order to share it for free on Instagram. And there does come a point where we do need a little bit of money. Otherwise the very things that people want from my account, I won't be able to do. Because, you know, we can't all work for free. And what people don't realize is Instagram, if you do it full time like I do, is a job. And so there are certain times where I have to bend my own rules a little bit. But I still, I don't really ever have brands that I'm totally not in alignment with. Now, when you first started, you don't have to get into the particulars of the pricing. But I know that's often a challenge of getting what your value is or what you're worth. How do you balance that? Especially probably in the beginning, right? When you're like, oh man, I really need to get my foot in the door. I need to get some growth here. But as you say, you know, you, you have a value, you have a, a tremendous amount of work that you put into the feed and probably the photos, the editing, all those things that go on uh, or involved in that. So how do you balance that with striking the deals, right? That, you know, this will help get maybe this future work done, but we'll also bring yeah. food to your table. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, for anyone that's starting out, I always say there's so many brands that can't afford someone like me, or I would not personally use their products just because I'm a little bit more health centered. So when you get to like 10,000 followers, which is still pretty hard to get to right now on Instagram, you become a micro-influencer. And brands are really, really reaching out to micro-influencers and you start to do uh, just for trade. So they send you product, you give them a, a product. So then you start doing more and more of those and more brands see that you're posting other brands. And then it just by nature starts to become a little bit more like, oh, she does do you know paid things. Like, 
for the longest time, I was not doing anything paid because I just, I got so tired of it. And I, I have someone that works with me on my sales team now. And she basically kicked my ass into doing this. And she's like, Nikki, the reason you're also not getting approached by brands is because they're not seeing you tag anyone. They're not seeing that you're doing it. And so now we have, a, we've created this system. It's pretty flawless. Like I can guarantee money coming in by doing our steps X, Y, Z. And so within that, like there are times still that I get sent a lot of product by a brand who doesn't have money and I still do it or I'll still promote it. Like Elizabeth Arden, for example, is coming to me via um, a press agency and they, they just, for whatever reason, they're not paying, paying money, but they're sending out lots of product. Well, I know that if I do a really amazing post with them, it potentially could catch the attention of another big beauty brand if I want to go out and approach them for whatever it is. So there, there is strategy behind it. I've also never really used my account. Like I don't use my account like my sole moneymaker. And it's that's also why I don't have millions of followers. Um, I have always said I'd rather be focusing on all these different mediums like writing books and the podcast and the app and and let's say different verticals. So my name is not just, you know, Nikki Sharp on Instagram. It's like when you Google my name, loads comes up because of the very nature of doing that. So it just depends. There's different ways. And and for me, Instagram's always been a channel in order to do bigger things, not just the one sole thing. Yeah. And you mentioned a little while ago that you know some of the makeup of your followers. You know that some of them are vegan. Now, when you started and and as you've progressed and grown your channel, I mean, how much of the decision-making process on should I get involved with this brand? do you give to who follows you? You know, like how much, how much do they have a voice? And this would be really good content for the people that follow me. You know what I mean? Pretty much all of it. I mean, I, I rarely post things for me and only me. And I learned that a while ago that your account will fail if you post what you want to post, which sounds funny because you're like, it's my account. Shouldn't I be able to post what I want to post? And it's like, yeah, but why do people follow you? And that's where it gets into the, who do you want to follow you versus who does follow you? And so when I work with brands and I do a lot of consulting with them, a lot of people say, you know, they'll tell me like one segment of people that follow them. And it's like, but that's not really who should be following them. And I'm like, well, if, if this is who's following you, then you're posting the wrong content and you're not posting the content to the people that you want. And so I'm very aware of who I want to be following me. And I, I mean, I, I try to do it in a mix of things that when I feel motivated to write these big, long captions, I also think that I believe, or I, I believe that I started the micro blogging as captions. I've been doing it for years Everyone knows me as the girl who did the longest shit caption all the time. And now suddenly it's a thing. It's a trend. And I'm like, no, guys, I've been doing this for a while. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's things like that that I do think about my followers of like, what do they need? What are their messages that they're coming to me for? I do polls all the time. I do questions. I'm constantly getting feedback from my audience and saying, you know, what questions do you still have about health? They're What's your biggest challenge during COVID right now or quarantine? And then whatever they're answering, 
I'm then going to and either finding a brand that works within that or I'm like during COVID it was I mean I know we're still there during quarantine I started doing outreach to brands for alcohol and then alcohol for skincare for um like healthier snacks because I'm like well what are the things that people are doing what are the what are the conversations my audience is having with me well they're drinking way too much so are there healthier alcohol things you know available well, I managed to find a brand uh, that delivers hand-picked champagne, three bottles a month. And I was like, this is golden. It's like, you know, takes the guesswork out of going to the store. It, all the bottles are amazing. And then I found another, you know, other brands like really incredible skincare and, and beauty things. And so I kind of, I started writing newsletters being like, all right, guys, so I know you're drinking too much. Here's how to beat the hangover. Here's my products I recommend. Boom, boom, boom. And then, oh, so you're sitting at home and you're starting to feel a little bit fat, aren't we all? Here's what to do, X, Y, Z. And so I started speaking directly to, I guess, the trends of what I heard and what I felt and then what my audience was saying. It just speaks to people don't realize all the work that there's gets so put much, in. There's because so work, yeah. <laughs> very rarely do we come across somebody like you who does that outbound you know, a lot of it, just people like, I'm just going to post cool shit on my Instagram and it's all going to come to me. And maybe it will. But the fact that you're like, listen, I'm polling the audience. I'm polling the people that follow me. I'm making sure the content I give to them is what they want. Well, what I will say, so I started this online course. I'm still in the process of writing it. And I, I keep going back and forth between doing it as a video course or just an ebook. And the I, I talk about actually the difference between a, a personal Instagram account, a personal brand, and then just a brand. And so, and the way that I explain it when I wrote it was my mom has a personal account. She's private. She really doesn't want you to press follow. She posts photos that she's screenshotted. So there's like no rhyme or reason. Doesn't look pretty. Her captions are like bizarre as all hell. She doesn't use hash. She doesn't care. It's just like a little document so that the close people in her life can see. Then you have someone like me who's a person, it's a, still a personal, it is me, my name, Nikki Sharp, but it's a personal brand. So what you see is not what I live day to day. Like, no, you think that you know who I am, but you get to see one microscopic snippet of what I choose for you to see in my life. So that is the personal brand. And then you have the brand like Coca-Cola who gets other people as the face. We don't know who runs the company. And so we have these three different styles of, of branding. And anyone who said, who has a personal and is trying to grow to be an influencer will fail because nobody cares about your personal life. At the end of the day, people don't. We follow people for inspiration in whatever topic it is. So then you have to make that decision. Am I willing to go into a personal brand in which case it's not just about my life. And yes, there are the bloggers and things like that. But the reason that they're bloggers is because they're showcasing fashion. For example, very few people care about your life. Nobody actually cares about my life. They care about how do I look like Nikki? How do I get the body? How do I get her skin? How do I have that lifestyle? But they don't actually care about you know what I'm doing day to day. And so that's the distinguish, distinguishing fact, I think, of why I've been able to do what I do. It also sets me back in a sense because 
you know, there is a lot of work that goes into it. And for how mindful I, I am of my account and everything, it's like, I, I know that if I just posted other things, I would have more followers and this, that. And I'm like, but I, I have to stay true to my mission on why I do this, even though I get frustrated and the algorithm kicks my ass and, you know, brands kill me when they're, they devalue my work. And, you know, like it's super frustrating, but I having conversations like this kind of re-inspire me that I'm like, no, I do this for a reason. Nikki, like pep talk myself. <laughs> you need like an alter ego, totally. or alter ego Instagram. And then you're like, guys, I, I don't know who keeps ripping off my photos and videos, but yeah, then you can post all the shit you want. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people do that though. I think they, a lot of people do set up their own fan pages and then they post photos that like, oh, where did they get that photo? Yeah, I don't have time to do that. Okay, we can take that on for you. Just oh let us God. know which photos are approved. <laughs> Talk about the, um, the creative process because I know that a lot of times brands will come and say, "Here's what we want you to do." I mean, how much are you saying? Yeah, that's great, but this is what I think will work. How how involved do you like to be? How does that work? Yeah, great question. So my least favorite is when a brand asks for content approval. I know why they do it though, because so they do it because so many people have screwed it up for the rest of us. And, and it's a shame because like when I have to do stories and pre-record them and then tell them what I'm going to be posting in the, you know, the, the writing on it, this stuff, it kills my creativity in that moment because I like to incorporate things naturally. When I get inspired, I'm like, Oh my God, this drink that I have, it's amazing because I'm inspired in that moment. But then if you ask me to do a pre-recorded thing, I'll be like, so, Hey guys. So I wanted to tell, you know, it, it changes. So that being said, I understand both. Um, I do have a certain, if a brand wants brand like content approval, it tends to be a little bit more. Um, I also do exclusivity with brands. So I have different packages that you can do. So like for four months, you can do, you get exclusivity for four months and no, there's no uh, non-compete. I'll go above and beyond someone like that. Yeah. They're going to get brand approval, but they trust me at least by the first time that it's like, okay, you do you. Most brands I work with though, I would say are pretty good in the sense it, I don't know if it's like the vibe and energy my team puts off, but we, they might say like, okay, yeah, the first post we want brand approval. And then it's, and like, I'll send the unedited photos and a caption and say, let me know any changes. And they're like, no, 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 it's perfect. Oh my God. And we're like, okay, cool. So in terms of that, like I, I also try to work within the brand's reach. So like, depending on if I really like the brand, I will tell my sales team to ask for their budget first and what are their goals? Because not every brand wants to pay, let's say $5,000 for an Instagram post and a swipe up story. Maybe they just want a swipe up and they want to see how that does conversion wise. Or like when brands come to me though, and they expect to sell a hundred things on one swipe up, it's like, it doesn't work that way. And, and that's what, like I, when I, when I do a post, I will get months later, people ask me like, Hey, what was that one, that one thing, that one skincare that you recommended? What was your discount code again? Like people 
kind of forget brands forget that people are so inundated with content and, you know, sponsored things that I always try to do longer term because it means I can integrate it into my natural routine day to day. I'll show how I use it, how I actually, you know, why, like why I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm speaking with a brand right now who it's, she owns, she owns the company. It's a very small company and she has been the nicest, most pleasant woman. She's so ecstatic every time that we speak via email, like so excited. And I know she doesn't have a lot of money. And so I asked my team to see what her budget was, what her goals are. And basically whatever she does, I'm going to give it to her and I'm going to go above and beyond because she's just so damn nice. And so that's, that's really for me how it goes. The nicer you are, the more you're going to get from me. The more you want things like content approval and this, that, the other, and you email me 50 times and it becomes this long drawn out thing of like, oh, can we knock off this amount of money? I'm like, okay, sure. But like you only damage yourself. I'm very different than a lot of people, obviously. And it's like, I, I really, I value working with brands and companies because I've, been a startup for eight years. Like I still consider myself a startup. And so I'm like, if I can do it, I know anyone else can do it, but I know the work that goes into it. And so I just, I think that's what I would say the most is like with any content creator, the nicer you are with them. And also like people know who I am based off my Instagram. Like, you know, or I think, you know, I'm not going to be a bitch if you email me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the crazy thing, because if you spend any time on your feed, I could just get an idea of what my brand would look like and why on earth would I need approval? Like, I've already seen how you treat branded deals. Right. I mean, you know? and, and you would think that they would, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I do. I get it on, on both sides because they want to make sure that you you go both ways and you get everything done. And uh, it's... Yeah. It's frustrating though. It really, it, it really is frustrating, but I also understand it and I respect it. And that, you know, it is what it is when I've had, I think once or twice in my entire career being an influencer, did I have a brand come back and say round one, they didn't like it round two, they still didn't like it. And at that point I was like, sorry guys, you get to choose from photo one or two. That's it. I'm not, I'm like, it's going to be another $3,000 for me to go shoot again. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And I know we mentioned this, we talked about this on the other panel, but I, I'd like to talk about it here as well. Just to the marketers who are listening to this, to your comment about the goals are, I need to sell a hundred t-shirts on one Nikki swipe up guys. If, if your website is trash, if it doesn't have a custom landing page, like, Hey, Nikki, you know, like it has to be cohesive. And we put so much emphasis on the talent to just sell this shit. But if your back of the house isn't set up properly, if you're not ready for Nikki's followers when they come, and if your shopping experience is shit, that's not Nikki's fault. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I have one brand that I had worked with and they had a very small Instagram account. They wanted me to keep promoting let's say i'm trying to not say anything that will give them away um they wanted me to, let's say keep promoting one aspect over and over and over again and i'm like it doesn't correlate with what your branding is 
So the branding was very different than what the messaging was they were trying to get me to do. They also came to me like, I'm this bubbly, fun personality. I'm always smiling in my photos. I don't take things too seriously, but like you get a lot of information from my page. And so then they got frustrated that there wasn't as many, you know, people buying. And I'm like, well, you have to understand, like you have under 2000 followers, people are going to go there and immediately question, and then they're going to go and they, they're going to go just to your website in general. They're not going to a direct landing page. And then they're going to, you know, and, and like the more that, as you say, someone has it tailored. So like, get the exact product that you want me to promote, have me nail it there. If you want, give me the, the discount code. I, I actually try to steer, if a brand is doing a one-time deal with me, I try to steer them away from discount codes because then there's this expectation of, I'm going to sell a million products for you overnight. And they forget that it's brand awareness. Stage one is awareness. You don't go see a billboard for Yves Saint Laurent on Sunset Boulevard and immediately go buy a $2,000 purse. But that billboard stays in your mind. So the next time you open a magazine and you see Giselle wearing Yves Saint Laurent, you're like, oh, oh shit, I need that now. And so people and marketers and brands have very much forgotten that it's not just sell, sell, sell. It is absolutely awareness should be your number one goal. And how many times can you impact someone's followers with awareness? Like I would rather a brand pay me a little less money and have me integrate a product into my everyday life so that I can be doing podcasts and and I'm not even doing it, but like I have this drink and it'd be like, it gets naturally integrated into things that I'm doing because I actually like the product and I use it. And then there's a lot of pressure and frustration then. Yeah. Like if I, if I can't sell a million t-shirts overnight and you're like, Oh God, I've guys, I have 24 hours to do that. And the other thing is that when you do a static post that doesn't drive sales, that is awareness. What drives sales is the swipe up or having people tag through to you. But it depends on how clear your you know CTA is of like swipe up. Like I had one brand that was like, can you put more arrows and things telling people to- <laughs> <laughs> more arrows, make them bigger. Make the text. Yeah. Nikki, um, what content do you like to consume? Oh man, great, really good question. Um I love how long I'm pausing. This tells you that I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> it's funny that I can't give you an answer. So I would say, what content do I like to consume? Um I have been liking a lot of the fashion reels. I think that the girls in fashion have gotten incredibly creative over quarantine and and now their reels have gone through. Like I see these and I'm like, it, it's more so it inspires me, but it doesn't necessarily make me want to go buy the product per se. Um, sometimes. I Lately, I would say I have just not been consuming content much. Like I scroll on Instagram, but there's not a lot that I'm like, wow. It's, I really, I think the ones that probably work best for me that I like are funny memes or like funny videos that, you know, pop people have done or like feel good news. And then other than that, like, I don't, I listen to podcasts too, but like, I don't 
I don't know. I don't really, I don't know if it's, I don't have time or I just maybe, I think part of it honestly is that there is so much content out there that I've gotten overwhelmed. And I'm like, I'd rather just go read a book. I feel like a lot of people feel that way. I definitely feel that way too. Um, are there uh, are there brands that you've reached out to because you've been inspired by what they've been doing? Yeah, all the time. So that's part of my strategy is at first I was like, why are brands not contacting me? And I'm like, well, because you don't have a million followers. And even if you did, there's still a lot of people with a lot more followers than you. And you're in the health industry and not everyone knows your name. So I was like, oh, okay, that's never get it. And so what I did is I, once I brought my sales team together, we started brainstorming brands that I use. Like I went into my cabinet and I was like, what are the brands that I use every day in my pantry, in my living area, on my face, clothing wise. And then I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I love your products. I actually use them every day. Would you be interested in working together and getting your products out to a new audience to hopefully drive awareness and traffic? If so, what's the best email? And that's like so, so through a DM, you would yeah, just DM. That's, DM. That's, yeah, okay. like that's the exact message I do. So I just gave away my secret. <laughs> I just took the notes down. I just uh, DM's like five brands. <laughs> But it works because when brands see like, and then they'll be like, oh, what's your favorite product? I'm like, well, I've been using that, you know, like, let's say it's Olay. Like, oh, I've been using the one cream since I was like nine years old. And, and they love that. And then there's this, I've already talked to them saying, hey, what's your goal? Do you want more traffic and awareness? Or like if I have during COVID or quarantine, same, same, <laughs> um, I had, you know, like this, the hangover, how to hack your hangover newsletter. And I'm like, I'm doing this because I'm hungover. And if I'm hungover, (laughs) I know other people are going to be hungover because that's what they're telling me. And so then I started reaching out to brands that specialized in like, you know, charcoal supplements or things for your skin to make it better the next day or more clean alcohols. And so I'm always, I think of ways and brands that I would be interested to use based on like my life. And knowing that people follow me because they want to live my life, I'm like, all right, that's the next step. So I I reach out to brands all the time. Yeah. How have you navigated the changing social media landscape? I mean, are there conversations you have maybe with yourself or your team about, you know, do we need to be on TikTok or do we put more emphasis into Instagram? I mean, do you feel like you have to be everywhere? It's that, that is such a good question. It is so hard because when I started, I was on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and I had a blog. So that's already a lot. And I now tell people choose two and stick to those two. I don't, and people are like, but don't I need a Twitter and then this and a YouTube? I say, if you're not going to post on it every single week, then no, get off of it. Um, and it's a shame because my Facebook has like 18,000 followers and is verified. My Twitter has like 20,000 and is verified. Uh, my YouTube, I think has like 10,000. I just couldn't keep up with all of it. And so and on top of the blogs, on top of then I was having writing these eBooks and then turning them into books and then po- the podcast and my app and all and coaching at the same time. Like, So it's same, same, but different in that it's just, it's, 
the same challenge as a few years ago, just with new channels. So yeah, do I think I need to be on TikTok? A hundred percent. Do I realistically have the time to go and create these incredible videos that are going to go viral? No, I don't. I just don't by myself unless I get a you know social media team with me, which has actually been harder to find than I thought it would. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for me, the big thing is I hate setting up. This is why I don't do YouTube so much. I hate setting up the camera. I'm really bad at talking one-on-one to the camera. If you put a person behind it, I get super animated. If you put two people, I'm even more animated. The more people you put, the more animated I get. That's why live TV is really good for me is mm-hmm. because you have all these cameras and these lights and, and like they say three, two, one, go. And I'm like, <laughs> like my, <laughs> my personality comes alive. But then you sit me on my couch with my one camera that I've had to angle and then I have to go edit it. And I'm like, fuck this. I can't. It sucks. I'm just going to go back to vlogging. So the answer is yes, I, I know that I should. In reality, to sit there and do, you know, these super creative, real videos all by myself and cook it and this and put that. Yeah. It's, it's just unrealistic. So for brands out there and like when I do consulting with them, I say, choose the two that you're going to put the most work into. And when I say two, that doesn't mean I'm going to do Instagram with IGTV and reels and the feed. Those are three different things. And so, and then you have stories on top of that. So it's like, you look at Instagram, that's four different apps in one app. And people are like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get, become an influencer. And you're like, but through which medium of Instagram? Because right now reels are going viral. That's way easier to get more followers than it is just to be posting photos. Are you going to be doing IGTVs? If so, like, are you going to be doing, I sorry, IG lives. I forgot there's a fifth one. So when I, um, I used to work for the Knicks and I would do on-camera work um, and be following the team around and, and do interviews daily and nightly and pretty much seven days a week. That was, that was my life, you know? And, and I didn't realize until I got out of that, like how much I needed to turn off. When do you turn off and when and if, and how do you pick those battles? Because there was sort of a natural cadence to the season, the NBA season in which, okay, during the summer, I would get a little more time off and I could just, you know, spend that time to get off. But for you, do you have to make a direct schedule, you know, point in your schedule to say, this is Nikki's time away from all of this and that you can reset? Or is this 24, seven, 365? I live the Truman show. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, I bet. Um, I mean, I do and I don't in the sense that there's sometimes I'm posting more. Ironically, like I live in Miami now and I haven't been to the beach in forever. And so my life looks pretty boring. It's just like the day to day. Like I sit at a laptop and I work and people are like, what are you doing? Your life's so good. I'm like, it's okay. Sure. (laughs) Um, And then I always see, you know, like when I do that, I always see my engagement goes lower, let's say on stories, because I'm not in a bikini on the beach doing these crazy things that people want to see. But in terms of shutting off, um, it's, it's a hard one. In one sense, I want to be able to get off more and like just take a week off. And then in another sense, it's like I have brand deals that I have to be aware of that I can't do that. Or I have people working for me that are, you know, managing, like I, I've saw, I write all my own captions, but I just, I have a girl that literally posts it for me. 
and, and response to comments and that sort of thing. And, and we've been working together for ages, but like outside of that, like I respond to everything, every DM, every email. And so of course there are times that I want to be off, but I think I've also done a pretty good job of making my life pretty secret. Like who you think I am on Instagram is not really who I am. If that makes sense. Like nobody knows ever who I'm dating or the people that I hang out with or the parties that I go to or restaurants. Like I choose when I want to post these things and I, I choose them according. Like if I'm going to a restaurant and and I'm getting boozy, I'm like, well, I'm not really going to post that. It doesn't really help anyone. Sometimes it does because they want to know that I'm normal, but like Basically all last week, people have no idea what I did during the week other than like, oh, I posted a food meal that I had. So in one sense, yes, I wish I could turn off more. In another sense, I feel like I have done a pretty good job of keeping my life separate from the brand. Yeah. And I guess I say that because of the nature of the platforms are now there's sections that are geared towards every day, every hour curation, you know, stories, obviously the TikToks and, you know, whether it's um, self-inflicted pressure to continue posting in order to reach the success that you've had, or if it's just the nature of like, wow, if I take a week and just let my brain relax and just chill out or go to a beach or, or go on a vacation with somebody else and not have this, that all of a sudden maybe that career that I built could be in peril or that there could be some danger in that. That's, that's kind of why I asked that question. And and maybe there is, I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people who do this for a living to constantly be posting and updating that uh, profile. For sure. Like I freak out if I'm going to go offline for a week, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose all my followers, all the engagement. It's going to happen. And it does. That's what sucks. Wow goes down if you don't post for a week. It really does. Instagram is the devil. They've really fucked us. And they've like, <laughs> really fucked us. Um, yeah, I mean, all of us, we all have that fear. During the whole, during COVID, influencers were working overtime because suddenly it was like, oh my God, we need to like move all our stuff online. And, and the health influencers, you know, well, not, not just health. I just say that because that's the industry I'm in, but like, the fashion girls couldn't go do their fashion weeks. And so they were like, okay, I got to get creative. Otherwise I don't know what I'm going to do. So those are the ones who they started doing all these crazy, amazing videos. And the, the health influencers, we all started doing IG lives every day, every week, you know, and some people kind of built new like careers from that by very nature. It's really challenging. And I don't think I have that many followers. I'm at like what, three, four, 41 or 2000, 100,000. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like a lot in reality that goes kind of up and down. And like I gain followers, lose followers. And it's terrifying when you start losing followers because you're like, oh my God, I need to, I need to go, go, go. And then for me, I've learned to just take a step back and be like, if I'm not willing to put hours of my day into making reels right now, my following just is not going to go up. And that is okay for this moment. So it's, but that's taken a lot of deep self work to not have my ego and my self worth tied to my Instagram because that's a hard one. Yeah. I was going to ask how COVID's affected, but I think you, you really answered it. But 
you know, aside from traveling and I guess some of the things you'd normally do, how has COVID affected your typical workflow? Um, I mean, I actually, I was knock on wood. I made really good money during COVID, not, not through brand deals. All the brands I know kind of freaked out at the very beginning of it. And then they started realizing everyone was doing online shopping. And so then it started coming back. And by like mid June, brands were, you know, pretty much in full force. But I did a lot of consulting for companies during that time. Um, I actually, you know, some people kind of got quote unquote vacations where they got stimulus money and PPP and what all. Like I didn't get a dime from the government. And I was like, all right, thanks, fuckers. <laughs> and so, but like I worked so hard that I'm actually, I'm pretty burnt out right now. Like I'm exhausted. I need a vacation. I want to get offline. I want to just like, be in my own world because it's also, you know, you're trying to manage all these different things. And like, I'm going through this the same as everyone else is like, we don't know what the fuck is going on. And so it was, it was an interesting one because it helped me move to Miami. I probably wouldn't have done that. Otherwise it helped me reach out and work with some really amazing brands and really start to nourish my Instagram and use it as a place where I can make money in order to share good products. Um, there have been moments for me that I've gone through emotionally really tough times. And that's probably the hardest thing on Instagram is when you're going through a hard time and you can't really talk about it. And it's not that you can't, but you don't really want to talk about it until you're through it. And then by the time you're through it, you're like, well, do I really want to talk about it now? (laughs) But I mean, like, COVID's been weird. I had a huge breakup with someone that I'd been dating on and off for six years. Didn't, I mean, talked about it a little bit. I moved to move back to the States to a new state, you know, like all these things. And then it was like, I ended one consulting job, started another. I had a lot of drama in one aspect, like with some other people. And it's like, those are just the things that people expect that because you're smiling on Instagram, everything's perfect. And you're like, let me just remind you, I'm human too. A special thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Scripted Fragrance. Scripted Fragrance has 125 unique candles, 100% soy wax hand poured using premium fragrance and essential oils. With the holiday season around the corner, this is the perfect gift with six unique collections, including states, cities, and even pets. Head to scriptedfragrance.com and receive 10% off all items by using the code DOING10. That's DOING10 at scriptedfragrance.com. 